Well, holy smokes, it's uh, been a, quite a hot one this week. Oh, man. Cooking. One of the things I've noticed is because uh, whenever I'm recording, I'll turn off uh, the fan and, you know, for audio quality purposes. And then the moment uh, I turn it off, it's like, ooh, oppressive heat. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and this week has been uh, one of the worst ones for it. It's not even the heat necessarily. Uh, it's typically uh, humidity that gets me. But unfortunately, I also have a computer that has like, it doubles as a space heater, <laughs> so uh, it it really cooks up this room. And uh, hoping it cools down. It's starting to get a little bit chillier as the night goes on. I'm uh, doing this at around two o'clock in the morning. Uh, yeah. So Atari. Holy smokes! I I I did Atari, didn't I? But when one of my good friends, LR, uh, and you should check him out. Uh, he does a cool podcast called Culture Lenses. And I uh, highly recommend it. Absolutely, you should give it a shot. If you like even just the smallest modicum of entertainment that I provide, he provides it tenfold. 100% would put it in your direction. He's very educational, informative, has uh, a good sense of humor to match that. And, man, I mean, I'm going to shout out any friend I got that, you know, has a podcast, but, it, you know, I haven't shouted any other one except for his yet, so, you know, he got first dibs, that's first blood right there. <laughs> but anyways, uh, LR had recommended me Atari when I was first kind of shooting out for ideas, because I was trying to build the list, and when Atari became the topic, he was interested about the whole cryptocurrency that came with it. And, you know, the cryptocurrency was the last 10 minutes of what is basically a two-hour special, but the level of uh, research that came with it was just bonkers. Just crazy how how stupid some Atari stuff uh, really does happen. The whole cryptocurrency thing was just... It hurt. It, it, it really did hurt doing the research on stuff like that, because... I do like, uh, you know, looking into the history of Bitcoin and all that stuff. And yeah, I do have uh, some Dogecoin in my pocket that I've been uh, praying to God that Elon Musk does tweet out to raise the price once again so I can finally sell it and be done with it. But the idea that a video game company that started with coins for arcades and then video games uh, sinks so low that they decided to go for cryptocurrency is just it's sad. It's like watching somebody go from a decent position, you know, or a job or something, and then go into a pyramid scheme or an MLM selling perfume or vacuums or something. <laughs> I mean, not to say that Atari had like a, a knight in shining armor moment throughout the any of it at all. In fact, uh, I would go as far as to say that uh, even though they were really darn good at what they did, it just it just screamed corporate greed every step of the way, and I couldn't help but admire it with a certain cast of light. I really wish that uh, Atari succeeded in different ways, and honestly, if it if this is just me from my opinion, from what I've seen so far, I think if they had gotten rid of Nolan Bushnell, but found somebody else that wasn't Warner, they could have done something crazy. And... Nolan Bushnell is an excellent uh, CEO, and as a lot of the stuff I looked up said, he was a great visionary. Probably, 
very, very easy to prove me wrong. I'm, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to have proved me wrong. But I, it's just an opinion. The thing is, though, I say that, but I can't even name a good person in you know the late 70s that would have been able to challenge him in his own company that he raised from the ground. It just doesn't make sense. So it's just, it's more wholesome, if you want to call it that, to just admire everything that happened in hindsight and just kind of sip my tea and watch as everything unravels. It is kind of weird. Uh, I did do a lot of research for this one. Like, this is probably the most research I put into something in quite a while. And I was actually very surprised that there are a lot of... Uh, uh, what is the term? Uh, video game crash of 1983 deniers? Uh, I, maybe it's rude to put that in the same light as, uh, say, like Holocaust deniers and all that stuff. But there are people out there that are completely convinced that Atari did not have a major hand in the fall of 1983 uh, when it came to the video game industry. In fact, some people are saying that uh, there was no video game industry crash at all because it's like, oh, when I went to my store, I saw video games on the shelves. Therefore, there could have been no crash. And maybe they forgot this weird little part. There really wasn't uh, a widespread way to communicate this unless it was going to be done through the news. We didn't have the internet like we do now, you know, 50 years ago. And it was interesting because one video I watched, and I watched this whole darn video, was is definitely a clickbait article, but I fell for the bait. I admit it. And they were t talking about how, well, these two games that uh, Atari did, uh, Pac-Man and E.T., most certainly didn't cause the industry to lose faith in them. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I think it's every freaking game that came out for the Atari at a certain point probably chipped away at people's confidence, but, you know, and it's like, well, because of that, it means, and, you know, they run in circles, it means uh, video games did not actually crash at all if Atari did not do it. And it's like, source needed. It, it was all logic that they threw at me. They didn't, like, quote any kind of source or anything like that. And it was just bonkers watching just people completely... You know, people as young as me, or even younger and all that stuff, uh, trying to give hot takes. But it, the thing is, and I, I discovered this uh, little rule of thumb, uh, the further away a story is from present day, the more likely it is to be a myth. Uh, you know, for example, if this happened 300 years ago, and <laughs> we're living in the space age right now, 300 years ago, we would have very unreliable sources. Like, even the video might be shoddy at best. But something so close, something that we've seen, something we've had reports, newspaper clippings, videos, audio, like all sorts of stuff talking, confirming that Atari had, you know, they lost $500 million within three months over a single thing and caused their stock to drop by, I believe it was 40%. I, that, that's something that's hard to recover from. And people do recover, but they didn't. They couldn't because they've lost so much money that they just had to start cutting losses ASAP just to try to stem the flow. And it just didn't work. They didn't have another ace up their sleeve. They didn't have the ability to pull in another ET or, you know, preferably something better than ET to try to get everybody back on track. But I mean, that's the most interesting thing of this, right? It's like Atari's missteps helped pave the way for other companies to actually step forward and be big, like Nintendo, was totally 
gonna be an Atari product if it wasn't for the goof up of you know them getting sassy with each other over whether or not uh, Donkey Kong's on you know the arcade or the computer, the exclusivity of that you know being a competitive product or not. They they didn't like that, and you know nowadays we got Microsoft with Minecraft and every ever you know every system possible, but some reason they they just couldn't handle it, and then when the crash happened, just boop, Raycaster just got nuked off the planet when it came to Atari, and then nobody else wanted to pick up the deal, and it's weird because the, James Morgan, the the Marlboro Man tobacco guy that t- picked up after Raycaster, everything I read up on him showed a good sign. Honestly, I wonder what would have happened if, you know, he would have been like that person I predicted if they replaced uh, Nolan Bushnell. Would he have been the person? Unfortunately, I didn't have enough research on him specifically to get a good bead on what kind of person he was individually. Quite frankly, you know, the best source to look at the stuff on the wayside just from a quick glance is Wikipedia. And when there's very little to nothing on them... It's a good sign that, well, I'm probably not going to be able to look at an autobiography or a newspaper article about the guy who was never on the front page of any company, but was always working behind the scenes doing advertising and stuff. So then, you know, six uh, months later to a year, he he also gets uh, knocked off uh, the stage as he, as the company gets sold off over to Tremel, who is a piece of work. I, I started off. And I, if you listened to uh, episode three, I did give a, a flat out warning because the more I read, the more I listened, uh, my initial thought was like, oh man, these guys are all freaking racist. They don't like a Jewish guy that, you know, they're, they're saying all these terrible things. And then I listened to the guy to how controlling he is like from his mouth. And you can hear it when he's talking about the stores that the federated group. He was talking about how he needs to hear every single one. The, the guy is supposed to be in charge of the entire company, which, sidebar, you know, going from 11,000 people to, like, less than 100 at that point, I suppose uh, he does have the ability to be a little bit more controlling as a CEO. Just that level of level of desperation hurts. Like, it, you'd think that you could find a supervisor you know you can trust, they're going to do their job, and at the very least, they know their responsibilities on their shoulders. And this guy just simply, he mentally could not get over that hurdle that there is somebody like that out there until he put in his own freaking son as the president. It's just a sad story because he was also the guy that was in charge of Commodore, which was also a big thing at the time. And no offense, uh, no one's really heard about the Commodore since the 90s, and it's for probably the same reason why hardly anybody knows about Atari since the 90s. Like, the whole, N- or not NFTs, thank God they had not actually done full-on M- NFTs. I did not find anything that said Atari did NFTs, but no offense to Atari, if Wade Ross, who I believe is the current CEO... If he was the one to have uh, thought the idea, I would have believed it, unfortunately, with the whole Web3 thing that they were talking about doing a couple of months ago. But it's so weird. Atari is still trying to be alive, but uh, honestly, it feels like uh, a 70-year-old grandpa who's going to the high school uh, dance parties, uh, you know, hat back, sitting in the chair backwards, having a a bud heavy, uh, because God forbid he gets caught with a bush light. Uh, and just going, hey, yeah, I was like you once. I know my way around a joystick. And 
it, it was weird because halfway through writing up the whole script, I discovered that a lot of the stuff I was pulling from, I was starting to look at the sources and like, wait, there's a lot of connections of lines here because I was like, oh, this isn't uh, a primary source. This is a secondary source. Where's the primary source going to? Oh, it's 8-bit generation. <laughs> this uh, uh, duo uh, whose names I unfortunately don't know. I know it was Bruce and I believe, I'm hoping it was Tommaso, uh, who unfortunately passed away recently. Rest in peace. If it's if that's not his name, God help me. I am so sorry. But those two managed to get together this beautiful interview of all the important people that I was actually looking at already uh, full on talking with them and the history and drama that happened between them and finding all these opinions and just heated breath shot between them. Like, uh, I didn't know how much of a sour, uh, not sour. Well, he was sour, but he wasn't by as a, a noun, I guess. Uh, the person that was in charge of uh, making the Magnavox, uh, he was super sour with Nolan Bushnell and the way that he just flat out took Magnavox's uh, tennis and turned it into Pong for his own first game. And he had to legit wait until Nolan actually made enough money on Pong to actually want to go out and sue him. And in this uh, interview, or these series of interviews, he talks about it. He's like, yeah, I own 120 patents. Nolan Bushnell has three. Who's really doing business here? And it's like, this guy's just suing out of his butt just to, you know, protect his own brand. Even though the game, you know, the Magnavox's tennis, it sucked. And like, I looked at it, I watched it. It's not that great. It's no audio, just two things bouncing against each other. And, you know, Pong is like 2% better. So honestly, if I, if I were to say it, I think Pong also <laughs> looks like it sucked. But I'm sure it was amazing when it came out. It was also fun listening to the uh, documentary uh, that was by A Bed Generation, hearing about the developers, uh, especially the one that made E.T., because he also made Yars Revenge, uh, which is a huge game that came out for the Atari 2600. And the fact that he was like, yeah, because uh, I made the worst game of all time and one of the best games of all time for the 2600, you would say I'd have a pretty diverse uh, portfolio. And I was like, yeah. He's not wrong, actually. I really, uh, really uh, support him for that. And I, I remember in the the last off the script, I was like, "Oh, I really don't know what to say about Atari and all that stuff." And you know, to some extent, I, I still don't. Atari as a company, from the outside perspective, is almost uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say as a, an enigma, but it's a marvel. It's cool to watch from the outside inside, or from the outside to the inside, and. Normally, this is where I'd say, oh, what I would like to be, a, a fly in the wall. And it's like, well, no, it's it was probably some crappy 1970s, 1980s desk job where people were somewhat miserable and constantly being yelled at by supervisors that had no idea what the heck they were doing and then having to put out a game. At least some of them, you know, the other people would be in charge of marketing and all that stuff. And it just sounded like a miserable thing to be a part of. And even the guys that made Activision, I believe David Crane was the one in the interview in that case, was just flat out saying, yeah, it was god-awful in there. We realized that we were not going to get any money out of this at all while they were making the big bucks, and so we just pieced out and made our own thing. And I'd like to think that Activision is doing pretty good for itself to this day. I don't think uh, the original founders are a part of that anymore. Last I checked, uh, they had since moved on, but, you know, they did pretty good for themselves. They really made it big. 
Now, my opinion on Activision nowadays you know, <laughs> probably rivals the uh, of that of somebody that looked at Atari uh, at that age. But I mean, even from a you know a disrespectful youth is uh, perspective, it's still amazing. It's impressive. The, like just Atari, just the idea that some guy went to a University of Utah. You know, he attended a, a Mormon college. Well, the college was a Mormon, sorry. He attended it as a Mormon initially. Discovered some computer game that was probably worth like a quarter million just to be able to play it. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to throw this into an amusement park. How do you, how, and he does it. He does it. That's the craziest part. He was able to eventually pull it off. And it was cool because when he made Pong, you get to see the uh, computer chips. I believe like on a home console back in the day, uh, a game cartridge could only hold like 15 chips. But for Pong, since it was all hardware and no software, it was 90, I believe it was 90 chips, which I believe uh, led to the whole thing with uh, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak uh, being the person in charge of trying to whittle down the number of chips needed in a chipset. And it's weird because I listen to Nolan talk so much, uh, and he has such great respect for these companies that are competing with him, such as Microsoft and Apple, you know, then and now. There, one of the audio pieces, a couple of them that came out in uh, episode three, uh, that came out like a few weeks ago because it's the 50th anniversary of Atari. Uh, you know, they turned 50 years old less than a month ago. And he's talking about these companies with such great reference and stuff. And it's like, my dude, you actually were working with them and totally could have had them in your pocket. Uh, maybe not Bill Gates, you know, per se. I believe he only had like a minor uh, team up with him, but he still had like a total chance with freaking Apple. He had a chance to be a, the third person of Apple. He had a chance. Well, not at that point. Atari, I guess at that point, had a chance to be Nintendo. Not, you know, exactly Nintendo, but they would have been the one in charge of it. I'm grateful they didn't because they would have screwed it up, but, you know, <laughs> that's besides the point. And I kept gushing about the Atari Lynx because the more I looked into it, the more it just looked and sounded beautiful. Something as well-written and designed, like, compared to, like, today, that would be like having a PlayStation Vita that has... I don't even know. It, like it, it would be a couple of steps beyond all understanding. It's like having a a PlayStation Vita that would have like a VR attached to it, uh, instant 4K OLED, which I'm pretty sure some of them actually have that. But you know, besides the point. And I don't know, being able to project itself onto uh, a a wall with uh, perfect clarity or some other crap. Uh, oh man! But for its time, when it came out, it. It just blew the Game Boy Color, sorry, the Game Boy out of the water. And just the level of comparison is bonkers. And I, I, I'm like, the more I'm thinking about this, and it's like, well, people probably said the same thing when the original Nintendo DS and the PSP came out. Because the Nintendo DS was, okay, it was cool. But the PSP was just like, it was a piece of hardware that was just completely like leagues further ahead than the DS at the time. But at the same time, no one really cared about that because, much like the Game Boy, the DS was super popular because it was cheap. It had plenty of games for the lineup, and it just had enough innovation that it kept itself, you know, paced. It didn't have to 
blow things out of the water because by surviving and continuing to survive while still providing good, uh, you know, ent- entertainment, it was able to be the best and people wanted it. And by being able to make so many and being cheap enough, it succeeded. Same thing with the Game Boy. And <laughs> it just sucks because if somehow they got a boatload of money, if Jack Tremell's company had a boatload of money and managed to make the Atari Lynx like nationwide, made it as cheap as possible because they tried doing it with the Lynx too. It didn't work out so hot. And I say this in the show again, if they somehow managed to put out so many games, if they could have just licensed a few games, they had Sega in their pocket at that point from a lawsuit grabbing five games, like anything could have just made it. They just needed a big brain break game. But when you have something as futuristic as that, trying to design something like that with no experience is super difficult. Though, I don't know, maybe they should have reached out to Sony at the time. They were probably also, they were also talking with Nintendo. Sony was trying to make the whole uh, cartridge based uh, PlayStation. So if Atari was to reach out to them at the time, maybe they could have licensed some uh, games from them or something. I don't know. They, very hopeful attitude. Uh, there's also a time discrepancy of about maybe three years between 92 and 95. And holy smokes, it is uh, getting hotter and hotter in here as my space seater computer is going on and my fan is still uh, turned off. I, uh, I, I'm just trying to think about all the stuff I had to look into. I watched for an hour. I watched the whole cryptocurrency casino thing. There was uh, some guy, I unfortunately I don't have the name to give the credit to, and I notably was going to argue fair use law if any cryptocurrency dude uh, was like, hey, you didn't list me you know, for your credit. And it's like, well, that's true. I'm using you for education. Sorry. Which, you know, I probably should still list them, but I, I'm just not going to list a cryptocurrency artist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're running a racket. The problem is, though, you drink your own Kool-Aid, and so you believe it. But I watched this guy who did it for an hour, and the guy was cool. So granted that, he was pretty chill about it. And when it opened up, it was a big celebration. He As soon as it opened up, he was there. And people started rushing in in these like little Sims-like uh, outfits and stuff, just trying to be all cool. And I'm sitting there like, okay, this screams PlayStation Home. Which, for those who don't know, during the PlayStation 3 days uh, between 2006 and I believe 2008, uh, there was uh, something called PlayStation Home where people who had a PlayStation 3 could simply hop on with an avatar and go chat with each other. Uh, it was pretty uh, novative at the time. I would say it's probably the predecessor to this whole shebang, just this whole virtual space idea. And I'm like, we know that there's different uh, chat groups and stuff that happened as far back as the 80s and all that, but just having your own personal avatar and meeting up and talking with other people I guess I'm also uh, not giving any of the MMOs credit at all either. But you could also go and watch movies, trailers. <laughs> I had to cut myself off. I, you might have been able to watch movies. I know you're able to do other simple things like maybe basic games. But the same concept uh, applied here with a bunch of people. They could talk. They didn't want to. Because the only people that are here, they were here to gamble. And if you're going to gamble cryptocurrency... Chances are you're either on the verge of bankruptcy or you have a boatload of money. And so this guy dropped, uh, I can only imagine how much money it was, somewhere in the tune of thousands of dollars worth of this Atari token uh, cryptocurrency. 
I'm like, okay, let's let's take a look at the the Atari slots. So uh, you know, show me a nice ET uh, slot machine, you know, or something cool like that. And then I I go in there. Well, I watched a video of him going in there, and it's blackjack. I'm like, okay, uh, is 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 there uh, you know asteroids blackjack or you know maybe they can license space invaders blackjack pong pack blackjack? No, it's just blackjack. And it's a bad blackjack game too. It was like this is something that like your phone could look so much better playing a game of blackjack. Honestly, like they they should have handed off the whole game thing to like Ubisoft or something like that because they know how to milk money out of you with DLCs and all that stuff. And they would have done it greatly so with blackjack. But no, it was just some bare bones, terrible looking blackjack game that looked like it belonged on the PlayStation One. And this guy was betting, you know, tens of dollars uh, hundreds of dollars at a time trying to you know sell or sorry win and uh i was like okay you know that's one game let's take a look at other one i think there's another one that was like craps and uh the roulette wheel it was like it was legit staple casino games that you would see at the the main floor of vegas and none of it had any kind of theme or connection to atari whatsoever in fact, the only way I knew that this was Atari-themed was the fact that they had the giant word Atari sitting above. That was it. it. It was quite literally the only thing that could have given this thing an identity of any sorts besides your run-of-the-mill, easy-peasy, uh, I guess, online <laughs> avatar casino. And it was cool because I got such a kick out of this here. And I was like, oh, I got a free uh, item. I'm like... Okay, you got equipment. Was it plus 10 to attack or something like that? It's like, no, it's just a free wearable. Up, uh, just a piece of uh, uh, goodwill clothing that uh, you and anybody else can pick up, and now uh, you can wear it whenever you're running around. It's like, so it's, is it, I guess it's just advertising clothing? If it's free, <laughs> whenever somebody gives me a t shirt for free, I just assume I'm advertising for them at that point. And just watching somebody running around so happy, yeah, I got free digital uh, equipment. And, you know, these cool t-shirts. I'm going to play uh, Milk Toast uh, Blackjack uh, win or lose tokens and uh, praise Atari because they're going to be the future. And I can't believe I watched a full hour of it. I was just sitting there just like, what is this? How is this? Atari could have, like, I understand that they only had like 10 people in their company at this point. They're a very tiny company uh, as of the past uh, few years. But the fact that they had this god-awful thing... They could have done so much better. They they have... I, I don't want to keep using the word literally. They have not made any game that I'm aware of in the past eight years. And they don't know how to build a game. <laughs> They've built uh, Atari Flashbacks, but that's using their old games. They've done uh, games on uh, the phone. They're also still old games. They just can't build a new game. They just keep trying to make money using the whole name, and as they keep shouting, using their legacy as the brand and all that other bullcrap, it just stinks because that's Atari. That's Atari for the past 20 years. It's all about them saying, hi, we're Atari. It's like going into, I don't know, a grocery store saying, yes, I was uh, uh, of the... The new Winston High School Lakers. Uh, this is, uh, I was the swimming team for them for uh, four years, uh, or maybe five, because I got held back for my senior year. And that's my identity now. So now that you know that I'm one of the Lakers, you should give me a discount and you should do business and buy stuff from me. And it's like, wait, that's how you want to present yourself? 
do you really want to present yourself off of uh, a name that isn't even yours? It's something you bought for dirt cheap some 20, 30 years ago that got traded over like a, <laughs> I was about to use a very nasty analogy, uh, like something that's been handed over multiple times. No, they like it. Maybe you're hoping that people are so stupid that they just forget about that, which, you know, to some extent, some people don't even know who you are. Some people don't even know who Atari is. When I did the research for of Atari, I was convinced they were the people that made Pac-Man. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I mean, I, I talked about this in the last off the script. I had no idea. I, I, I seriously didn't have an idea. Um, I look up their biggest games that they personally made. I'm like, oh, Asteroids. I was like, yeah, 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 Asteroids is cool. No, I was thinking about Space Invaders. <laughs> like, the most popular game or well-known game is freaking E.T. I'm sorry, but it's true. Like, people can say Pong, but in this day and age, it, 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 like, Pong or E.T. is probably their most well-known game that they've ever produced. And it's crazy because that means they're, the start of their company is probably the most visualized, and the end of themselves as a decent company was also the most visualized things about them. And then... They've been trying to stay in relevancy, like an old celebrity uh, releasing scandal videos, even though they're in their 50s and no one wants them in their films anymore. That's their style of trying to stay relevant in the world. And it stinks. I really wish they had the ability to do something big. But unless they're going to somehow uh, try to shake the world by announcing uh, another cryptocurrency, which doesn't interest me at all, if they somehow open a hotel that's in my neighborhood and it's 60 bucks a night, I might try it. But like the flashback uh, consoles, these little uh, classic consoles, they're not going to do it for me anymore. I, I've never took an interest in them. I don't know what the, it would take at this point either. I think if they just made a single game, it doesn't have to be tied to anything. doesn't have to be tied to nostalgia. Don't make it tied to DLC. Don't make it tied to loot boxes. Please, I'm begging you. Oh, God, please. Don't make it tied to anything but the base game, Atari, and just work on it. Just work on it and try to make a great game. And if people love it, they'll see that name, they'll get excited, and then you can do your evil schemes and all that stuff, or rethink about it and try to make another game. I don't know why I'm thinking Atari here is listening, but if you are, please. Anyways, I think that's going to be it for me. I, uh, I really, really enjoyed it, just making this whole episode. I also uh, have been doing, like, it's been frustrating because at the same time, each time I tried to record something, my son's been having trouble sleeping. I might have mentioned this last time. And so having him wake up mid-recording, uh, recording, screaming and crying is the most god-awful feeling because I want to keep going. I want to keep recording. But at the same time, I want to be a dad. I want to be a good dad. I want to love him and tell him that everything's okay. You know, give him some of his milkies and then have, pat him and put him to sleep. But at the same time, I keep telling myself, it's like, ah, this darn kid, he keeps getting away of my recordings. And it's like, I can't do that. That'd be terrible of me to, you know, continue to think that. Even if, if that's a surface thought, it means I got my priorities wrong. And that's also been bugging me. Uh, I've been hoping to try to do something with uh, this group I've been a part of, uh, Final Plank, uh, you know, uh, this cool group. Uh, I'm also hoping like something comes out of it because right now that's also been quiet and doing D and D uh, on the wayside uh, has been helping quite a bit with my uh, Sunday games and occasionally my Saturday games playing dungeons and dragons has been a thrill. Uh, I accidentally killed my first player for the first time today specifically. And it really tore me apart. 
And I know this has nothing to do with Atari or talking about it, but <laughs> I needed to get it off my chest. As a dungeon master, taking the life of one of your players' characters is heartbreaking. Even if they're goofing around or doing something that you can somehow warrant uh, their demise, you just deleted hours of work into somebody's roleplay, you know? And even though he was okay with it, I still keep thinking about it. It's bugging me. Been eating at me. Also, it doesn't help that anytime I'm doing research, I'm actually wanting to play Destiny 2 all the time. Heck yeah. Uh, I've been playing so much Destiny, and I love it. I, I assume that I'm going to be hitting out uh, what I always refer to as my flavor of the month burnout period. And then I can go back uh, knee-deep into research. But doing this, this huge of a project uh, took a lot out of me. Uh, the Game Boy Color was easy. It was fun. I loved it. But doing something as big as and extensive as Atari, just it was soul draining almost. And I'm starting to understand. Uh, I, I, I heard him mention it as an offhand uh, comment, but uh, Vincent Kenny, the guy that does the Hakikamori podcast, I, I believe I, I may have actually given him the first shout out. But shh, LR Cultural Lenses is actually the first one. Don't tell anybody else. Listen to Cultural Lenses. This is my shout out. Come on, guys. Anyways, Hikiko Mori, he does such a great job with it, but he's also pointed out time and time again that doing those things can be uh, either very depressing, depending on the subject matter, or very exhausting. And I'm starting to understand why he feels exhausted after trying to get an episode out. And I can't bang on him anymore because it is so hard to do this within a two-week period, uh, especially with uh, you know the level of confidence I want. So I'm hoping to find better subjects that I can still keep into single episode segments. But if I do find something else that warrants it and I do enjoy it, I will do it. Like, uh, I think the next two topics I can do in a single episode. But <laughs> look at me wanting to prove myself wrong and, you know, make a two hour special. Wahoo! Anyways, I uh, hope you guys are doing great. I'm going to be celebrating uh, Christmas in July uh, and... Uh, by the end of this month so by the next time we have this conversation i will hopefully have christmas presents and also more importantly my son will have turned one years old <sighs> my son's gonna be a one year old oh my gosh i i love him so much you know i and i i think i say it uh too much you know so I, he always get this happy father that constantly looks at you know the pictures in his wallet which i do believe i have it just like i'm so proud of you just you know just for breathing, just for smiling. I, I hope I can continue to make him as smiling and happy as he's been. Because at the same time, I know I need to find my own happiness. Seeing him inspires me to be happy on my own terms. Uh, the downside of that is whenever he's unhappy, it also does the same thing. So I, I, I try to do my best to keep him uh, you know, as happy as possible without spoiling him rotten. Which is not possible. You always should spoil your baby boy. Anyways, I think that's going to be it for this this uh, recording. Thank you guys for listening. I know uh, usually when I'm talking on the script and stuff, I'm like, I sound nice and confident. And I use uh, you know my uh, toning or whatever you call it uh, for each of my conversation. But then when I'm doing this, it's like, um, and my monotone dragged out uh, gravelly voice. It's basically the equivalent of letting my hair down. And I, I really hope uh, somebody cares for something like this. I don't know should let me know. <laughs> uh, LR let me know uh, that he enjoyed the episode. And 
that was uh, an endorphin hit. I really, I, re- I really enjoy having affirmation that somebody listened to my episode, even if they didn't like it. If they tell me why they didn't like it, but I mean, obviously, I, that's probably not true. I probably would prefer them to say I love it, but you know, take what you can get. I'm doing my best, and I'm very happy with what I'm doing. You got to be the best fan of your own work, right? So, anyways, for the third or bajillionth uh, last and last time, thank you for listening. I hope to see you guys in the next episode. I love you. Believe in yourself, please. I I I, I might not know what you're doing specifically, but if I can believe my, in myself for this work, and you can believe in yourself for your own work, it's worth it. Just do it. I I, I know that's so hard, but you got to have some faith in the things you do. I believe in you.